This is the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. Stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue for the best liquor, beer, and wine deals in the River Valley. Arkansas wins the national championship! Check out Eastside Liquor on Facebook for weekly specials. Say goodbye! Darren McFadden, 80 yards, touchdown! Always fun to visit with Mike Irwin from Pig Trail Nation. He gives us some of his time each Monday. Mike, how, uh, how's your weekend been? Appreciate your time. Man, it was a, an amazing contrast of unbelievable things positive and some unbelievable things negative. I mean, you had the amazing pitching performance of Hagen Smith and really the entire Razorback staff in Arlington. You had, you know, Robin Heron's perfect game in softball. You had Khalif Battle or Caleb Battle scoring 42 points second most ever by an SEC uh, player in an SEC game. Uh, and then you had, you, know, you had the struggles at the plate, which seemed to dominate social media. And Dave Vanor himself, he didn't make any bones about it. He wasn't talking much about the pitching after the Michigan game. He was talking about all the hitting issues and basically said half his lineup is still unsettled because of that. He was not in a good mood, and and, uh, so you had that. And then you had this Michaela Daniels thing where they're all set to honor her and everything, and I really thought it was strange, but they do it at the end of the game, and I'm talking to people and saying, what if they lose, which is what happened. But she also got ejected from the the game with two technicals. So (laughs) you have this amazing thing where this – greatly honored Razorback basketball players in her last game as a Razorback, and she's not on the floor for much of the second half, and they have to bring her out after the game. Yeah, I hated that for her, and I hated that for the team. Uh, but let's, uh, let's hit on, on some of the positive first. Um, and and let, me, let me put it in a term of, of some of the, the negative, or people might be skeptical on the baseball team right now. Uh, as, as I've been around for 10 years, and I think in, in Dave's previous uh, time before I started doing this, every team improves. Um, last year's team improved until they just gave out because they weren't, there, was, there wasn't enough. They weren't healthy. Um, yeah. The hitting will improve. I expect fielding to improve. But when you have starting pitching like that, and keep in mind, these guys were on pitch counts, and they still went uh, six or seven innings. When you have starting pitching like that, you can beat anybody. It's, it's just a matter of, you know, you got to scratch out the right amount of runs. I still think this is as dangerous of a baseball team as any other team in the country, and it's because of the starting pitching. Well, and that the, the win over Oregon State is proof of that. I mean, you had virtually no hitting in that game, and you still won it. And you won it because your starting pitcher faced 21 batters and struck out 17 of them, you know, and then your your bullpen was fabulous. Uh you just did all this stuff, and you beat this team that honestly may end up being one of the best teams they play all year when it's all said and done. They may they may be in Omaha when it's all over. I mean, that team right now is batting three thirty six. They're I think something like fifth in the country in home runs, nineteen home runs. Uh, they got four or five guys in their starting lineup that are batting over four hundred. And you beat them in a low-scoring game like that. It's it's proof of what you said. You can win games if your pitching is good enough without a lot of offense. And I agree. Generally, what happens, and it happened last year, and it happened the year before, Arkansas can start off slow, 
and then end up by the end of the year, everything is evening out. There's just a lot of focus on this Nate Thompson thing and his philosophy. And you got this, this divergence of opinion. Some people are saying, yeah, that may work in the major leagues, but in college, you got all these guys and they're trying to hit home runs with runners in scoring position and they end up over swinging and they either strike out looking, looking for the right pitch or they hit over the ball or under the ball. And then you've got what I think was a good response to this that I saw on social media where a guy said, nothing wrong with the philosophy. You just have to hit home runs if that's what you're going to do. And they're not hitting home runs right now. They've got four, you know, and, and so I, I expect that to pick up. So, it, you know, you could debate this stuff all day long, but I agree with you. I mean, it starts with, with pitching, and it's a lot easier to improve hitting than it is pitching. Pitching a lot of times is what it is. And honestly, with wear and tear, it tends to kind of go down a little bit as we get into the season. The ERAs tend to go up because these guys get tired, and, you know. And, and and that's the other thing with this staff. I mean, look at how deep it is. Look at all the options Van Horn has when he goes to his bullpen. Not this. That's what's different to me about this staff. Is there? He's just got arms out the wazoo. Yeah, there was a lot of excitement for Razorback sports this this weekend. No question about it. I'm not. I'm not going to get into you know. Hey, can this basketball team win the SEC tournament? I'm. I'm going to try to enjoy uh, Saturday for what it was. Uh, battle that. How how efficient that performance was. Uh, but just how fun that was to watch. You know, as a fan, uh, seeing one of your own go out there and and, and just get hot and and play like that. Uh, that was pretty cool. What were your thoughts on the on the basketball game this Saturday? Well, I kept thinking Mitchell couldn't keep up what he was doing. I mean, he was largely why they were, why they were, why they were improved, and he was he just really was a force inside. And he didn't have a bad game, but he didn't score twenty points with you know sixteen rebounds or whatever. And so you had to have somebody else step up. And let's face it, guys, Missouri played a hell of a game, and for a team that hasn't won a conference game. They've had some close calls, so I thought, man, it'll be just like this that you end up losing to these guys because they really, for a team that hasn't won a conference game, I've seen them when they played really well, and they played well in this game. So it took an effort like that. It took somebody like that. Now it, the head-scratcher is, okay, where have you been? This is, we go all the way back to when we first started talking about this, guys that we, we went back and forth. Are these guys really this good? And I was thinking maybe they're not. But then I think our thinking was, yeah, they are. There's just some reason some of these guys aren't performing. And he's one of them. There were, there were times when he disappeared early in the year, just wasn't even in games. Yeah, and I, and I wonder, too, if any of that goes to the talent, Mike, of, of the teams we've been playing. We haven't beat a team that's going to be playing in March yet. Uh, and, you know, Van, Vanderbilt's not going to be playing in March. Now, Kentucky will be. So I guess what I, want to, what I want to see is let's translate this, how we play against the bottom teams, to some of the medium teams and some of the better teams, and let's do it on the bigger stage. Yeah, and again, I'm skeptical. I don't think they're going to go on some crazy run where they win out or win all the way up to the championship game because we were having a debate in the sports office of if they won out but then lost in the championship game, they still wouldn't get in because of the analytics, the numbers. And I was trying to point out that when I've seen these people on the committee talk about this, they say those numbers 
are, are definitely something you take into consideration, but it's not the only factor. And yet most people seem to feel like it is. And I'm thinking if they did something crazy like that, just Musselman and Arkansas's reputation and the tournament and all that, it'd be pretty hard to keep them out. But that in itself, I think it's more likely that they would win the SEC tournament and go on that kind of a run than it is to go on a run right now and get up right to the end. Either way, it's going to take a miracle. And as I sit here, I still say, I think they got a good shot at going to the NIT, but will they go? Will they make that decision? Yeah, we're going to do this. I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, that's. I was thinking about, you know, how would how would um, how would fans react to it, or or you know, pay attention or show up. You know, what would that look like? But you know, you ask a legitimate question here. I mean, would you even accept it at that point? Because that's not what anybody showed up for here. Sure, you would accept it if you'd had years of maybe not doing anything. But when you're used to sweet 16s and elite 8s, and now this is your standard, that would be much harder for people to buy into. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, spring football is coming up soon, man. I mean, this is it's kind of creeping oh, up on us. We got our 14 what? practices. We got our email about it last week. So, uh, what, quarterback battle, uh, looking at where the offensive line shakes out with all these transfers that have come in. And, man, I, I don't know who's at linebacker. I'm not sure who's going to be on the defensive line in some cases. Well, a quick funny story. I, I ran into Sam Pittman in the media room of the women's basketball game yesterday at halftime. And I just went up to him and I said, well, <clears throat> are you going to shut this thing down in the spring? And he goes, what do you mean? And I said, well, you know, you got Petrino, you got this new offense. We didn't see much of uh, – you know what Enos did? And he said, well, we let you see that stuff in the spring. And I said, I just want to make sure. I said, because I had people asking me, how come we didn't see these offensive line problems coming? And I said, man, I can't judge an offensive line by blocking drills. i got to see them in a scrimmage. And he said, no, no, you'll be allowed in there. You won't be able to shoot the, some of the scrimmages. But, and, of course, everybody gets to see the spring game. But it's, it'll be here sooner than later. Interesting to see this quarterback battle. Uh, no, no question about it. Hey, Mike, what about this uh, storm in the court deal? Do you have a way? We, Phil and I have been kind of discussing ways to kind of fix it. Or, or I think everything Man. is situational. Uh, what, what, what would be a way you would fix it? What do you do? These are students mostly. How do you control them? Were you going to have like two hundred cops around the edge of the thing, and and then they just start pushing people back? Um, <clears throat> You know, the injury thing can happen. It's it's pretty rare, but it's the reason why they have the rule. Um, I just, my basic instinct for years is to say, just let them go ahead and do it. But then I also realize, yeah, occasionally you can get somebody hurt. So the only way to stop it, <clears throat> stop it honestly, is to start arresting people. If they know that they're going to round you up and throw you in jail, I think you'd be less likely to go out onto the court. But really, is that what you want to do? Because other than that, I don't know how you stop some of these kids from going out onto the floor. Yeah, well, I mean, we get a lot of ideas that come in. Some people don't think it's a big deal at all. Uh, Some blame the athlete for getting run into uh, or basically being attacked, uh, you know, some, yeah, say, he didn't, I watched forfeit, that. which I don't know if that makes sense to me. You know, Matt's idea is to, 
you know, cancel the fans for the next three home games. I think they do that in Europe, Matt. Does it work? That's there? what you do, in because you have the flares, the hooligans, you have all that stuff going on. Uh, you, you mess up, they take away the gate, the experience, uh, the corporate thing. I mean, it takes away a lot of money. You t- you start taking away home games, right? Well, just watching that particular injury, did didn't you guys think it was weird the way he did that? I mean, I'm I'm standing up straight if I'm in that situation, and I've got my hands out and I'm moving people away from me. He looked like to me he kind of lowered his shoulder and did some strange things. I mean, he didn't react very well to to what they were doing. I don't think they were coming out there and, to try and knock him around. They were just going everywhere. Yeah, I, I I see somebody that is that's got that's being swarmed. I wouldn't know how to. I wouldn't know what to do at that moment, and it's just not quite ready for it. I don't think you, be, you don't get coached to what to do in those moments. I so. saw Joe Dean Davenport that year that Arkansas in '98 beat Tennessee, and I'm up on the photo deck. That whole field is covered with people. Joe Dean is he's tall, and you could see his head sticking up. He looked like a. His head was turning around like a like a bird, looking all over the place. But he just kind of had his hands out, you know, making sure he didn't get squashed. Um, it, it can be a difficult situation, but man, like I just remember, don't have an answer. You probably remember this: uh, 1978 American League Championship Series, Chris Chambliss, home run. I think they beat. I think it was the Royals. I think they beat the Royals, and this was a walk off home run to win the American League Championship. Yankee fans storming the field. And Chambliss, who was a big guy, literally running over people because they were in his way between third base and home plate. And then when he got right. off, he's, he's like running into people. I think Reggie Jackson, too. I mean, it was total chaos. I got to score first, Bozos. <laughs> yeah, the, the, I don't know. I've never, we'll never, have never been in and will never be in a situation like that. So I don't know. I'm the last one to give advice. It's just weird to watch it. And, again, what Matt described is, man, you talk about extreme. Whoa. It would stop it. But, man. Yeah, it would be extreme. That's for sure. Mike, we appreciate your time. Thanks for stopping by. All right. See you guys. Thanks, Mike. Hey, sports fans, don't let plumbing issues throw you off your game. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric is here to tackle those pesky drain blockages and ensure your water heater is always in MVP form. With Pascal's world-class service, you can count on a winning play every time. Whether it's a quick drain clear or a water heater touchdown, Pascal's got the expertise to keep your home running smoothly. Stay in the game and leave the plumbing to the pros. Schedule your service online anytime at gopascal.com. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. The Arlington Resort Hotel and Spa in downtown Hot Springs, Arkansas is the perfect destination for your next getaway. Join them for a romantic Valentine's Day getaway with a special dinner or romance package. Or if you're coming to town for live racing, they've got room for you every weekend, including Martin Luther King Day weekend and President's Day weekend. Experience all the luxury and hospitality of a Grand Southern Hotel. The accommodations are sure to please everyone. Visit ArlingtonHotel.com for more details. That's ArlingtonHotel.com. All right, I've had enough sports for a quick moment here. Even though the NFL Combine starts today, so you're going to have a lot of fun with that since we're getting ready for the draft and NFL free agency. Connor O'Gara, by the way, will be on in hour number three. Uh, He's paying attention to uh, all the draft prospects. So uh, Combine starting today. Hmm? Looks good. Uh, We're going to get this going 26th through March the 4th. 
we got a few Razorbacks that are there. And what do you think about this, Matt? Man, it's it's a, it's exciting time uh, for for these players that get to go to the combine. It's a very once in a lifetime experience for the, for these uh, these players and the coaches and GMs and stuff. That's it, it, it's old hat. So pretty pretty cool. You're wishing them well. Uh, it's a, it's a chance to get around all the other players too that are that are at your position. You know, What's look, the first day like. Well, it's it's different for it depends on what what day you you, you go, but you, you you know you get there and, and it's kind of stairs stairs steppled, you know, like steepled, like there's three position groups at a time that go there and stuff. You get there and in the first two days are it's a lot of meetings, it's a lot of individual meetings. Uh, you, you're up at six thirty in the morning and you're not done till ten thirty at night. And, and there's something to do at every second of the day, and so you do that for forty eight hours. Uh, and, and then, and then if you have any injuries, you know, you go to the hospital and, and everybody wants to get their own, uh, their own medical report. And then on that last day, the last thing you do is you go, you go work out. And so it's a, it's a, it's a fun experience. I guess the, the big thing right now is what are the Chicago bears going to do? They, they got a guy in Justin field, 61% completion last year, but how stable is, you know, the, the players around him? What, what do you get if you, you get rid of a, uh, it's the number one overall pick, you know, is Caleb Williams, Drake may, or, or Jaden Daniels. Some, some think, I, I, I don't think so. Um, but, but it's, where do you go? Where, 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 what do you want to do? If you're, if you're Chicago, do you want to get some picks? You, do you want to get a move? Do you, do you think Caleb Williams, is he CJ Stroud? You don't, uh, nobody had CJ Stroud being CJ Stroud this, this last year when they were doing that, when, when the draft was going on, it, it was, you know, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, where, where, where are you going to go? Uh, and CJ's, I mean, everybody chose Bryce Young, and and you see, you see, kind of the inexact science that that it goes into it. It's hard to evaluate these quarterbacks. Did I see? Did I see that Caleb Williams has not hired an agent? I think his pops is doing a little bit. I think Zion did some of that. I think some of these kids that already have the marketability. What do you, what what is the agent really for? If when you're already there, when you're at that point, if you got the right people around you. So I I understand some of the top top talent. You know, the agent's supposed to work for you, you know, when you're a fourth, fifth round pick. When you're a first rounder, too, the NFL is slotted now. Uh, it, it's different than when I when I played, where if you're a first round pick, you only give your agent like 1.5%, where if you're a uh, second round pick, it's different, third round, you know, blah, blah, blah. So uh, if you're going to be the number one overall pick in the draft, uh, that's, um, you know, 3%. What's a rookie deal get? He, he, you're probably getting somewhere north of 60, 80 million just from his, his playing contract. He's probably going to make double that uh, off the field, being the number one overall pick in a quarterback. That's, you know, that's 10% of your, you start adding up those percentages. That's a lot of million dollars that, you, that you're able to keep. So, I mean, who's a sure thing? Because I think we've, we've been shown quarterbacks are not a sure thing. They're just not. It's too tough of a position to, uh, to evaluate, I think, coming out of college. Is is Marvin Harrison Jr. a sure thing? He appears to be. He looks like he should be, but I don't. I don't. I don't know if, if the quarterbacks are. Maybe Marvin Harrison Jr. But you can't take. You're not going to take him number one because if you find the, the if you find the um, the other worldly quarterback, it's always going to be worth the number one overall pick. So. No, that's that's right. And, and where was T, T. Higgins? He was a guy that just got the um, just got the the franchise tag. Uh, at uh, for Cincinnati, right? And so, mm-hmm. where was where was he drafted? You know, let's that's uh, 
let's let's see where this kid was 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 drafted. He was the thirty third overall pick, and he's one of the best receivers in the game. Because you asked who do I think is somebody who's gonna? I think that kid from Washington. I, I think Rome. That that kid when when I Rome, yeah. When I see him play now, I think him and him and Harrison are a little different type receivers. Uh, I don't think Harrison's not going to make it. Uh, I think Harrison's going to be 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 pretty good as well. But I, I I like that kid from Washington. I think he's a he's a bona fide star. See so, yeah, a story here. We uh, you know thing that the number one storyline coming out of the draft is Jalen Jaden Daniels weigh in. Hey, you know some people like the young, the 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 under six foot or under six one quarterback that's lighting the britches. That's not they've, my thing. There's no way got I'm, him, they've got him listed though at six four. I didn't realize he's that tall. Yeah, you'll have to see. I guess I I, I don't know. I, I think he has a lot lot of improvement to to do before he's leading an NFL roster. No no, no question about it. Hmm. Well, again, we'll get in we'll get into a lot of the combine stuff and the NFL draft with Connor O'Gara coming up in a bit. You know, I mean, what are you looking for is if, if you if if you're early in the draft here? I mean, you're looking for otherworldly quarterback, wide receiver, uh, edge rusher. You're looking for a starter when you're if you're a first round pick. You, you're looking for a guy that can start not now, nec- not necessarily like week one, but year one. Yes, like you're looking for a guy that can come in. Uh, that's that's kind of the your first and and really your top. You, you know, it, it, Phil, I, I in Jacksonville for four years. The, the turnover is not as big as you think, man. There's only eight, nine positions that are open each year. You know, a lot of those 53-man roster, 46 of those guys are coming back. That's the same thing on every one of these NFL. There's not a lot of... Uh, there, there's not a lot of turnover like you're seeing in these college rosters where, the, you know, you got 35 new guys coming in each year. So you're, you're trying to look... Looking, to, you're trying to pick out some guys that, and you're trying to project a little bit. It's 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 hard evaluating talent when when you're there and you're in that position group because everybody reports by position group. Yesterday, um, it was defensive linemen and linebackers that were early arrivals. Today, it's defensive backs and tight ends. Uh, the running backs, quarterbacks, and wideouts uh, start registering tomorrow, and then it's the offensive linemen and the special teamers on Wednesday. So you're spending a lot of time within these position groups. I mean, they're your competition. They they are they are your competition for slots in the draft. I mean, is that what it's viewed at while you're there, or is this sort of like is there a camaraderie around each of these positions? Because we're all together and we're all you know kind of showing we can do together. Because I'd view it as competition. It is definitely competition, but you, you're not you're not pulling against any any other player. Uh, it's good to see. You know, I, I got to see Aaron Rodgers throw, you know, right there. Got to see Alex Smith throw. There was a kid from Arizona State named Andrew Walter that I thought was going to be a little, you know, you, you get to see other kids go in. I think Oakland took him somewhere in the second or third round. But And then you get to see some of the other guys you played against. So Carlos Rodgers uh, out there at cornerback. Uh, you, you get to see him and, and what he can do. So it's good to kind of get around and and you get a feel and say, oh, well, I think I'm better than that guy. Oh, that guy's pretty good. I better step my game up. Did you see him run that route? Oh, that's, that's how I want to do that. You know, you kind of get a look to see because everybody's been coached and you get it too when you go train. The coolest thing was going to train for the combine. Kids from Nebraska, kids from Penn State, kids, for, kids from wherever. You got 17, 19, 20 guys and you're kind of different positions, and you're, you're you're all the stories, all the hanging out, all that 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 was one of the coolest parts. Yeah. 
See where I guess uh, Caleb Williams won't throw at the combine. Marvin Harrison won't go through any of the testing. So, I mean, you don't have to do everything there. I mean, I guess they've seen everything you need to know about uh, Harrison's speed or leaping ability or anything like that. And as far as Williams is concerned, you know he can throw the hell out of the ball. So what is the point of that? I guess in some cases it's the it's the one-on-one face-to-face meetings. That's what you want to do. You, you sit in a room. I mean, you, you meet with 17 different teams in, in two days. You know, at least I did. You have to be dizzy I, I'm sure he Exactly, right? You're trying to remember everybody's name and, and shaking hands and doing all that. It's, uh, it's, it's definitely a trip. At least it happens at one central location. Do you imagine if we turned college football recruiting into one central location like the Combine is? <laughs> It'd be kind of wild. I mean, recruit, I mean you're, I'm sure going through recruiting makes you feel a little bit dizzy when you get, you know, dozens of letters showing up all at once and you get dozens of college coaches texting you and everything. You just got to you gotta have those uh, notifications turned off. Hickey and Hole Law Partners are now here for you and all your legal needs in MENA and the Little Rock area. Hickey and Hole Law Partners specializing in divorce, custody cases, civil litigations, and more. Having over seven decades of combined experience to better serve you and the community you live in. Please visit KevinHickeyLaw.com or call us at 479-434-2414 for a consultation or come by an office nearest you. Things are about to get better. Bet Online continues to be your number one source for all your basketball wagering needs, including pro and college hoops throughout the year. With up-to-the-minute odds, stats, and trends, you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs with in-game live betting, contests, and all the best player props. Experience the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop or mobile device. Head to Bet Online today to become part of the team. And remember to use the promo code BELIEVE. For your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online. The game starts here. Matt Jones in studio. I'm Phil Elson. And uh, C-Unit, Kristen Johnson, who doesn't know anything about Led Zeppelin or Pink Floyd with us as well. Don't worry. We'll, you'll, get to, you'll get to it. You will definitely get to it. Uh, yeah, you were right, Matt. T. Higgins has had the franchise tag placed on him by the Bengals. It's always a way. To, so he gets a one-year deal worth $21.9 million. Fully guaranteed if they they, franchise, they tag you, but he's he wants somewhere about 60 guaranteed over four years, you know, yeah. and, and so you, you, you never know. Hmm. Well, I guess that's one way to – is there ever any player that, that is like, yeah, cool, it's fully guaranteed, I'm good with that. And it's $21 million guaranteed. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's it's amazing. It's it's it's, it's it really is. Um, but you're looking at your counterparts. You're looking at all the other receivers. So you're you're saying where is T Higgins in in the in the equation? Is he the best receiver on that team? Do you think Jamar Chase is better than him? Probably. Uh, do you think that they work together? That you if you have one of them, the other one's better. That they're 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 obviously going to be be better if they're both out there. Uh, and you got Joe Burrow. So where does he rank? Where, where do? How much money do you want to tie up with them? You know, Joe Burrow is going to be taking a lot of that money. Yeah, that's for sure. I saw where, you know, this uh, this uh, lawsuit by the Virginia and Tennessee um, attorneys general against the NCAA. The injunction has been issued, and now the NIL and the NIL rules do not they do they they do not apply right now nationwide. There can be no um, enforcement of whatever the rules about NIL were or are, um, 
And if there's an injunction about this now, I can't see them ever being able to enforce this. I guess maybe there's a way that you can try to enforce it focusing on boosters, I guess. And it's not necessarily like boosters and NIL collectives. Look, I mean, they're the same thing, but I guess in the NCAA's eyes, not really. It's just another, there's one more thing that the NCAA has no jurisdiction over. Now, think of what's happened in the last, it's been four months. In December, the injunction was granted and the NCAA folded on the one-time transfer rule. Now you can transfer however many times you want. That happened in December. That's not changing. And now the NIL rules, which it feels like have been arbitrarily enforced, and I'm not sure if people really even know what the rules are. I don't know if I even know what the rules are. Well, now those rules aren't enforceable any longer. So the, the closer you get to the end of this game, it's like the NCAA literally will only exists now uh, to make rules for the games uh, and to provide uh, you know championship tournaments. And, and that's it, some sort of structure to decide who is the national champion at divisions one, two, and three. Otherwise, you know, all, the, all, all, of, all of these other, there's just two more things that have been stripped away from the NCAA. And, wh- and whether the value of that is good or not, it's a fact. They cannot enforce these things. So it's just one more, th- it's like one more thing that they have nothing to worry about as far as those things are concerned. It just kind of chops off the authority and just another piece of the NCAA that like doesn't even exist anymore. They're definitely making it up as they go. When, when are we going to get some transparency? That's that's what I want. That's that's what I want to know. When when do we get to see, not necessarily behind the curtain, but how, how is this money being divided up? How much money do you have? What, what Who are you paying this money? You know, what... Because you hear the coach come out, what the, what the coach come out from Ohio, Ohio State and say, yeah, you want a starting quarterback, it costs a mil and a half. That's, that's, that's just what the going rate is for a starting quarterback at a big-time program. And I kind of think, yeah, probably so. I bet it is, but I bet it's more than that. You know, I, I, bet, I bet you're looking around, you get the right guy in there. Uh, it's, it, it's, it costs a lot of money to get the, to the right guy in there. How much do you think Junkins, like a running back, he, they're giving him a million dollars? At least, yes. Yeah. 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 If you're paying the if you're paying the quarterback a million and a half to come in, best hey. running back in the country. I think college football, the running back. I think it it, it matters in pro football too, Phil. But j- just as much, I think it's more valuable here in college football having a good running back than it is anywhere. Why? Why do you think that? Because you, you take less off the quarterback. You're, there's more on there. You got the best athlete. A lot of times, your best athlete is your running back. A lot of times, now, now you're getting stuff on the outside. But when you can run the ball and, and get yourself into second and short, the defense has, as a quarterback, Phil, as a college quarterback, all you want is man coverage. I, can, I know exactly what to do against man coverage. If you can't run the ball, you sit back, you get zone blitz, you see, you see what. You saw that happen in the NFL playoffs this year with some young quarterbacks. Uh, Lamar Jackson got blitzed, didn't know what to do. Uh, you, it's 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 hard. It's the you finally once you get over the step and you can beat the blitz as a quarterback, man. That's when uh, that's when it but you becomes tough to stop. I, I also think like with with each of these injunctions that's granted, you you just have to, in my eyes, I keep realizing that the structure that college sports operated under for over a century. Um, was sort of against, kind of against the American way, really. I mean, when it's, when when you look at it, because these are these are these are federal courts that are deciding that these things are not enforceable. You know, the transfer rule is not enforceable because it restricts 
you know, uh, somebody's, somebody's uh, you know, essentially the ability to make money now. And you're restricting their ability to make money and not even allowing them to make money. And then the rules that are thrown into that are so opaque. And it's just the, the, the way college sports was run, even if it worked, and it did work because there was some kind of stability. It doesn't mean that it was done in a way that fit into the way that business is supposed to be run in this country. The only way that you're able to do that is if, is if Congress grants antitrust. And they've never done that. And that's what Charlie Baker is still going after. Still going after. If you get the antitrust exemption, well, you can set the rules as you see. That's what's happened in Major League Baseball for all these years. Um, and then Baker's like, what is that? I saw in Fortune magazine, he's, he's saying, well, if you, end up, if, if you end up and you're getting to this point, I think you are getting to this point. If you're getting to the point where the athletes are employees and they're, making, and they're getting paid directly from the school, he's threatening. I don't know if you say threatening, but it's, it's the Pollyanna uh, sort of sky is falling thing that 95% of student athletes won't exist anymore. There just won't be, there won't be, there's not money for them. If you, got, if you have to pay them because they're employees, there's only so many that you can pay. You know? And I do, I, do think that, uh, I do think that athletic departments in some small ways are looking to where they can uh, scrape some savings together, whether, whether it's in travel or per diems or, or whatever. You know, I think they're looking for some sort of savings. And look, this also flies in the face of the idea that what was the dollar figure that SEC teams get from the league right now? Was it $51 million? But I feel like those things are already, like that's already earmarked for projects, for salaries, for just operating expenses and, and everything. Is that money going to go right to the players? Well, you know, eventually it's going to have to. But before that, they're going to scrape as much savings as they can from war, how they're already operating because I think they can see the writings on the wall already. Does a team like UCLA drop football? That, that, that's, wow. That's the next question I have is, is it viable? Are they still making money because it's a basketball school? Uh, you know, and not only UCLA, Phil, but other, other schools, you know, that you start looking at UConn. Is, is there a reason UConn, you know, could they, you're you talk, talking about division. Could you see schools being like, hey, we're going to be a basketball school only. We can make this run because there are some profitable basketball scenarios. Well, that would, that would have to cut back dramatically on probably the entire size of the athletic department. Just because even in places like UCLA and UConn, look, I mean, is UConn a football independent now? I think they are. So they're not getting money necessarily from, like, a league. UCLA is, though. I mean, well, that's the only reason they made the move to the Big Ten. That, that athletic program is in such uh, financial disarray that that might have been the only way that UCLA Bruins athletics could have survived by, they, by moving to the Big Ten for football purposes. They lost their head coach to an OC position. In the same league. Mm. In the same league. Yeah, I mean, I just what's going to happen in another two months? There, there's still other, there's still other lawsuits out there. There'll be more injunctions sent in here, and and sooner or later it turns into chaos. It already is chaos, quite honestly. Hi, everybody. This is Chris George from Joshua Sign Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russell. It's the most wonderful time of the year: Christmas gifts, weddings, heirloom family treasures, and at Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we only have one sale every year, and it's right now. Every single item in our store is value priced for Christmas. We do custom one of a kind jewelry. If that's what you're looking for, come see us. You can get anything fixed for a Christmas gift. Selection, quality, service, and Christmas. Ready 
red tag prices now through Christmas at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russellville. You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Dry January is over. Check out the new Valentine's Day specials like liquor-filled chocolates. They have Jack Daniels Store Pick Barrel and Willet Bourbon and Rye as well. Come by Eastside Liquor at 9390 Rogers Avenue in Fort Smith. Now back to the podcast. Let's go to the McClarty Daniel Hotline and Connor O'Gara from Saturday Down South stopping by here. Always appreciate his visits. Connor, how are you doing these days? I'm doing well. It was nice. I, I had like a, a week and a half where I went to Lexington and I went to Indianapolis and got to spend some time with my family. Daughter got to meet her cousins for the first time, got to meet her grandpa for the first time. It was uh, it was a really, really nice week and a half uh, away from the grind of college sports. That's a big time, man. That's a really big time. Good for you. Yeah, those are those are huge moments. Uh, but of course, football is always in the back of your head, I'm sure. And the combine, uh, well, I don't, I wouldn't say it starts today, but you get people kind of reporting in certain position groups, and I know that's something that you know you'll be paying heavy attention to because there is always a heavy bent to the SEC when it comes to the NFL draft. Yeah, I mean, look. I'm not the biggest combine guy in the world. And I've kind of argued over the past few years, like that some of the, the things that we talk about with draft evaluation, with how much more access we have to all 22s, just to college football teams in general on a given Saturday with ESPN plus, like all those different things. I, I would argue that the combine has less significant now, but I think across the SEC, there are a lot of really, really interesting storylines that I, I find myself watching for, and, you know, even if you want to just look at the quarterbacks with Spencer Rattler, somebody that's been talked about so much over the course of his career, really even since high school with the Netflix show, I, I he's got a fascinating weekend ahead after he was the MVP of the Shrine Bowl. Jaden Daniels, he's not going to do that much, I don't think, in Indy. I think I, I can't remember who reported that. I think it was Ian Rappaport who, was, uh, who reported that he's going to be pretty limited in what he does, which makes a lot of sense after the year that he had winning the Heisman Trophy. But... Like, does he become this guy that is considered the number two quarterback, the number two player uh, that's going to come off the board in the draft? And then, you know, you could find other storylines that are really interesting. Somebody like Mason Smith, who I I came into this year wondering if the LSU defensive tackle was going to be this year's version of Jalen Carter, and he just did not have the year that anybody thought he would. And so he's got all, all these eyes on him. There's just a lot. I mean, there's a lot on the table when you've got 89 guys from a conference that are coming into the combine. Yeah, I was I was looking at uh, some things like a guy like Sam Hartman, Bo Nix, Michael Penix, kind of the second tier of, of quarterbacks, right there. Connor, do, who do you have in that second tier of quarterbacks? Yeah, man, it's it's interesting because I think the first tier is in this specific order: Caleb Williams, Jaden Daniels, Drake May, and I think that second tier is a lot more up for grabs than people realize. Like, I would have Penix at four. And then five, I would actually have Rattler. I think Rattler has improved that much. If you've watched what he's done with his footwork and the improvement with a familiar name for Arkansas fans, Dowell Loggins, I thought they did a really good job with him this past year in Columbia, and you saw that improvement even if he didn't see it on the record. And then I, I would actually go go down to Bo Nix at six, which might not be a popular take. I know he's still showing up in some of these first-round mocks. And then J.J. McCarthy at seven. But I think those are the seven guys that that I would look at and say they could become franchise quarterbacks. Everybody else, the, the Michael Pratt, the Jordan Travises, I mean, and Joe Milton, some will include him as well, just because of the skill set. 
anybody else, I'd be surprised if they became franchise quarterbacks. They still can, obviously, but those are the seven that I kind of look at and say they have the best path to be able to to do that. And and I know that second tier, I I don't know that there is going to be a consensus opinion after this weekend or even leading up to the NFL draft. And and I guess kind of, too, the the question is, does it hurt some of these kids, that Chris Winkie effect with this NIL, this COVID year, like your Bo Nix and Sam Hartman and Michael Penix to your J.J. McCartney, a guy that's coming out early? Do you you weigh any bit of that uh, in, in this quarterback process? Yeah, like, there are a lot of older guys. I mean, there just are. I, I, I think we get too too caught up in that, and, and hopefully we've gotten away from that a little bit. I mean, Joe Burrow was old when he came into the league by typical quarterback standards, and, and we've seen that there are a lot of cases where a guy that, that stood, that's, you know was able to get those reps at the college level really blossomed into a different sort of prospect. I mean, all three guys that were in New York for the highest trophy – they could all be coming off the board in the first two rounds of the draft, and they've done so many things to help themselves as guys who were, what, five-year starters? I mean, that, that's just a crazy thing to, to kind of think about. And somebody like J.J. McCarthy, look, J.J. McCarthy had a lot of reps at Michigan, which is good, but at the same time, kind of only threw, I think it was 123 more passes than, like, Dwayne Haskins. And so he wasn't relied on in the same sort of way, and I would have more questions about a guy like him as much as we talk about him as a winner – I think that there are a lot of questions about somebody that did not necessarily get that, you know, that extra year and the, you know, the guys who exhausted their eligibility put a lot of good film out there. And I think that's why they have a lot. That's it's kind of allowed them to rise to the top of these draft boards. What do you make of, uh, of Brock Bowers for this draft? Uh, you know, you got to have a tight end now. Uh, and you always have to have a tight end, but you got to have a playmaking tight end. If you're going to go far, uh, in in the NFL, and just look at the two that were in the Super Bowl uh, this last year. Um, where where you, where, you, where you think Bowers may end up? It's depressing looking at these mock drafts and seeing that there are people who believe he's going to fall outside of the top ten. And if he falls outside of the top ten, that's that's on all of those teams who make that decision. Because for my money. He's the best tight end in the history of college football. I, I don't think there's much of a debate if you look at what he did start to finish as a guy who was, as a true freshman, the best offensive player on a team that won a national championship. To do that as a tight end is just its absurd. And I, I think that people are looking at these you know, these photos of him standing next, next to Gronk at the Super Bowl that came out. And they're like, oh, he's physically not at Gronk's level. Yeah, he's 25 pounds lighter. He also is every bit as nasty as a run blocker. The the ability to, to make big time catches. I mean, it's second to none. Like, look at the guy, what he did in the postseason alone. I mean, it, it's insane to think that that he could be falling. And as a result of, oh well, look at Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts went into a terrible situation with a coach who did not want to play those guys that they drafted in the top ten at skill positions, Arthur Smith. And Kyle Pitts is a very different player than Brock Bowers. So like. I, I love Brock Bowers. If my Bears took him in the back end of the top ten, I would be absolutely ecstatic. And I think that anybody that has him outside of the top ten, it just has me scratching my head. I'm with you. His thing would be his health. You know, if, if he's healthy, I, I think he's the first tight end off the board. No, no question, a top ten. Hey, Connor, what's the deepest position? What, what's a value position? Because uh, some years it's a receiver, some years it's it's the O line. What's the deepest position in this year's draft? I think receiver feels like it. And maybe there's a case to be made for quarterback for those seven guys that I talked about that could be coming off the board 
in the first two rounds, even it, it, it never works out like that, but they're at least kind of being valued like that. It, it seems, but receiver, man, like I, I'm looking at this at, at the way that this is setting up with having a generational prospect and Marvin Harrison jr. And not very far behind them, if at all, is Malik Neighbors and Roma Dunze. But then you kind of get a little bit later, and you see like guys like Xavier Leggett, who I, I think in a normal year, Xavier Leggett is is rising higher into that first round conversation after the year that he had at South Carolina. And you're going to see a lot of these guys, a Roman Wilson, who did tremendous things at Michigan as the primary target for JJ McCarthy, had an awesome week at the senior bowl, like guys like that, that are going to rise into that first round conversation. Like if we end up having six or seven guys taken off the board at the receiver position in round one, I I don't think it would necessarily be a stunner. I I think that's the position where there's just a tremendous amount of depth, even with guys that I didn't mention there. Is it Michigan that's going to have the most players drafted? I mean, that was the thought going into the season. Is that what you see happening? At least as far as, you know, schools, who has the most drafted? Yeah, I, I think they will. I think the question is going to be if they're going to set the record. Harbaugh was talking about that forever. That he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have the the most guys drafted ever from from any specific program. I think the record is 15, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, that's what Georgia did in the 2022 draft, and then all they did was you know just go 15 and 0, win a national championship, 65 to 7. Um, Michigan in a little bit of a different territory when it comes to replacing that talent. But yeah, Michigan looks like the team that's going to have the most. You know what's interesting, and nobody's really talking about this, is this the year that the SEC's draft streak comes to an end? There was there were 90 guys from the Big Ten who are going to the Combine, 89 from the SEC. Take that for what it is. But when you factor in the Michigan thing, Ohio State, even though they have a lot of guys coming back, they're still going to have a bunch of guys going to, you know, going to the NFL draft, of course. And then you can kind of look up and down and go, this, this could actually go down to the wire, and maybe the SEC is finally going to relinquish that title for the first time in what would be, what, like 18 years? I mean, that, that could be a storyline that we talk about, and a rare opportunity for the SEC to not have that post-draft flex. So I don't think we've spoken to you since um, the uh, reports of the college football playoff thinking about expanding after this contract is up. So once they start talking about it, it makes me feel like it's going to happen and it feels inevitable. But is, is this about more access for other leagues or is this about more access for the big two leagues when they expand? Because it's coming. No, it's about more money for the pay-for-play era. It, it's about getting getting ahead of that and trying to make sure that you have a sweetened contract without – necessarily drastically changing the sport and these conferences want a bigger cut and and they're going to get a a massive cut and you can argue for if you're you know greg sankey or tony petiti the big 10 commissioner hey we deserve more bids we've got more teams we've we've shown that we can do this this and this year over year we we deserve four auto bids and if you're the big the big 12 or the acc if if you're being told hey you guys are going to get two teams in I, I think a lot of them would, would look at that and go, that, that's a win, that's a positive. But it's still, it, it is weird, the timing of it, that it came out. It was a, it, there's, there's expansion that's coming. We know that. I mean, college basketball has 68 teams. They're talking about going to 96. Mm-hmm. That's considered to be the best sporting event in the world, uh, best sporting event in, in America. World Cup probably has a different say about that. But expansion was always going to happen. The timing of it and it happening so soon, I think, caught a lot of people off guard. But, 
get ready for it because it's coming. We're definitely not going to stick at 12 for, for the remainder of, of our lifetime in college football. Wild. Well, I think you're right about that. Connor, we'll leave it there. Thanks for coming on. It's always good to talk to you. Uh, have fun with the kid and paying attention a little bit to the combine, and we'll revisit in a couple weeks, okay? Gentlemen, sounds good. Appreciate it. Thanks, Connor. You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Check out the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast at hitthatline.com. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.